This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. We're going to be looking at the power of breakfast radio today and I couldn't have two better guests to talk about that, both at really interesting stages in their radio careers. First off, we've got Russell Howcroft from 3AW, of course, the co-hosts the breakfast show there with Ross Stevenson, a relatively new addition to that team, but he's been hanging around radio for a little while and no stranger, of course, to the media. He's on Gruen every week, one of the ABC's highest rating shows, and he's worked for a long time at uh, Network 10 and before that in marketing at um, uh, different agencies, media agencies and creative um, setups around Australia. And also Christian O'Connell from uh, Gold 104.3 in Melbourne. And I should say, of course, both these chaps are leading their ratings. Um, Russell and Ross are uh, number one overall in Melbourne and um, where they've had a big, big impact on most stations, with the exception perhaps of Gold, where um, Christian uh, has been number one FM now for, for probably just over 12 months. So, look, welcome to you both. Um, Thank I'm you. Start off with, um, most people know how important breakfast radio is. In metro markets, there's over 10 million people listen to breakfast radio daily. Of that um, 10 million, nearly 8 million of them listen to commercial radio. So it's very important for marketers, very important for, for, for people wanting to sell their products. Um, Russell, I might start with you now. You were a long-time listener before you arrived at 3AW but you're getting a good insight now behind the scenes there. You probably would have noticed as a listener and now as a host how the station's changed under nine management. It's certainly got, if you like, even more commercial. They're a lot maybe more clever in the way they integrate some clients and have um, engaged with a lot more commercial partners. Well, of course, Nine is a big commercial machine, right? So they are able to apply all that skill, um, all that knowledge that they've had of being in a, let's say, the uh, that media buying end of the business. So those big conglomerates, uh, the big agency groups, Omnicom, WPP, etc., um, publicists. So the relationships that you have with those big entities, um, they do up the ante when it comes to selling. And... Um, yeah, 3AW is in an interesting place. It, it's got a combination of that top end of town, um, you know, global media agency play, but also it plays a really awesome role in the direct selling marketplace. Um, there's lots of one-to-one um, client relationships where, you know, we get to do live reads for, you know, a local retailer. Um, and that works equally well for, for the customer as in for the advertiser. So, yeah, it does actually... It's got a bit of a foot in both cans, um, hyper-local and also big global conglomerate. Yeah, and um, Christian, I mean, you worked in UK radio for a long time, obviously, and uh, there's a lot of um, public radio, BBC's very big, but you were at a very successful commercial station over there. And you've had a few years to look at the market here. Is the way radio um, engages with clients much different to commercial radio in the UK and in Australia? Yeah, it is actually. It's interesting. Yeah, so I've done breakfast radio for two, 22 years now and uh, obviously two and a half years here in Melbourne. And uh, yeah, I was really surprised actually how how 
different it is actually how the sales interface you think essentially doing the same job is you know in terms of coming up with propositions and ideas for the client in terms of sponsoring promotions and then for straight airtime as well it's it's a numbers game and uh, what demographic they're trying to buy uh, but yeah it, I mean look the big thing here is just what a big lucrative market commercial radio is in Australia there are less people listening than in the UK but it's a it's 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 big it's bigger it's a bigger market here it's a much richer market much more lucrative market in australia which brings uh, which means that they can attract big talent, um, but it also means there's a lot more pressure and expectation to deliver as well. Even the fact that ratings here every five weeks in the UK, it's every three months, um, which is far more civilized. Uh, it was a big, it felt like I got on a treadmill here when I arrived to Australia and someone just turned it up. And I was, I was really struggling to keep up with the pace. It was every five weeks we've got to go through this, but now I've accepted it and it, it, it's all part of the excitement and play. Um, but yeah, a lot more of my time here is meeting with the sales teams and meeting with clients as well. Uh, but as a new guy here, I always, that was always going to be one of my priorities because my job is to grow audience, but it's also to grow revenue. I know what, I know what I'm needed to do. And I, I like sitting down with the clients and trying to work out what can we do on the show that meets their needs, but also meets my needs and what I think the listeners want as well. I, I enjoy that part of it too. Do you, think, yeah. do you think, Christian, that Australian audiences are more open to um, commercial messages, more blatant commercialization, if you like, than people in the UK? Yes, the Star Radio here, very, Amer very same as uh, with America. There are no live reads uh, in commercial radio in the UK. And that's a multi-million dollar industry over there, but there are no live reads. Mm -hmm. I was on a national radio breakfast show with three million listeners. I never did a live read. If you voiced an advertising campaign, it was never allowed to be played during your own breakfast show because it was seen as unfair editorial endorsement. Here, they sell that editorial Game endorsement. On. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, also, I mean, Christian, you, this this may or may not be right, but certainly when I worked in the UK in the ad game, yeah, um, part of the history of part of the history of advertising that I was told was, um, of course, the original interaction that you had with media was commercial free. So I'm thinking TV here. I don't I don't know, don't know if it's also true with radio, but in TV land, there wasn't any any advertising first up. So your first relationship was with a BBC commercial free. And so advertising has always had to be gentle because the original interaction you had with media was commercial free. So there was an entertainment value to the way advertising operated and a more gentle way that advertising operated. That I may, I may be uh, somewhat connecting dots that don't exist, but that's certainly my recollection of what I was taught uh, when I worked in the UK. No, that's certainly true of the history of broadcasting in the... Uh, you're spot on there, Russell. Yeah, the history of, of, of TV and radio in the UK was it was the first a public service thing with uh, the BBC, which is still one of the best content generators in the world. And then the, then the commercial uh, TV channels came along and then commercial, commercial radio. I know friends of mine whose parents used to get quite snobbish about them watching commercial TV because they thought it would corrupt their minds with all, with all the, the adverts. Yes. 
and there was this snobbish about them. Anyway, the BBC, you know, is uh, Lord Rethian principles of, uh, to, uh, you know, opinion and entertain and educate, whereas commercial TV was seen as a slightly grubbier, kind of Americanized, mm. bastardized version of that. It isn't like that now. You know, there's some brilliant stuff on, on ITV and Channel 4 that's just, just, just as good as the BBC. Indeed, and, and some brilliant advertising as well, Christian, right? Well, yeah, the, for many years, the ad industry in the UK was the film industry. I mean, many great yep. British film directors have done some incredible uh, advertising work. It's where a lot of directors first get to actually shoot onto film is in the, in the ad industry. Yeah, Ridley Scott comes to mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Amazing. did as well, Tony, and a lot of big directors. Mm. Russell, you said before it's it's a bit of sort of game on here in Australia. Do you think, I mean, you think back to your days in advertising, are, are marketers more prepared to push audiences now where they might have been worried about being um, too overt and, and they, were, they wanted to be more subtle in days gone by? Oh, no, I, I think that, I, no, I think that the advertiser... Um, isn't seeking out the brilliant copywriting that was available to them a couple of decades ago. Um, I'd like to see some, I'd like to see advertisers buying better writing. I mean, in the end, I mean, this is a great joy of radio, of course. Radio is all about the, um, the written word uh, and the opportunity for advertisers is to write brilliantly and then, you know, let the, the mind of the consumer take over. Um, and I, I, I'd like to see, I'd like to see some more creative writing going on. You know, radio is used in a pretty brutal way in, in advertising. Um, and there's, a, there's definitely a role for that because, you know, we need to help the cash machine, the cash register work. But there's also an opportunity for a bit of comedy and, um, and some subtlety and even some poetry. And we don't get to see a lot of that or we don't get to hear a lot of that, I should say. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The... Um the, the, it's been a challenging year for broadcasters and radio in particular seem to have, have shown how radio can engage with its audience. I mean, the look at the, the AM ratings, what Christian's been able to do with, um, with what you did. You acknowledged a lot of COVID when it was happening. Uh, you were broadcast through the bushfire crisis earlier in the year. Um, do you think you've learnt things about the audience this year that you might have known before? Yeah, it's actually been a real privilege to broadcast during this time. I spoke to Andy Lee uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago, and he said that he really wished that him and Haim were back on radio to do radio during lockdown, because he said, you know, radio really mattered. It became, you reminded, people reminded what a great thing radio is. And I still believe it's the best medium. It's still, you can't rival it for its intimacy and that companionship. And and that's what was really needed in this time. It was a simple proposition. That what radio, radio to me is already bit, has always been the original social media. It connects. It's a it's a meeting place for people either into a similar kind of music or a similar kind of mindset. And I think it was it was really important for people. But I learned more about breakfast radio in the last seven months than I have in twenty odd years. I, I, I it was a an unlearning and a relearning of some of the basic and what's needed. And my I just thought and I think. The guys at 3AW, I think, did this as well. I realised that my place was to offer them hope, was to hopefully offer them connection, joy and support. I didn't think it was my place to 
be angry and to go on and on about the situation that had put us into a second lockdown. I thought people were doing that enough on their own social media forums. They needed something different in the morning from me. And I know that the yeah. guy that was well on 3AW, they realized that's where, that's where their value was. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. You reminded me, Christian, of um, when my children were teenagers, um, I had a, on the back door, there were two pictures of a face. One of them was a grumpy, you know, like your classic smiley face. One of them was a grumpy face, you know, with the, the mouth as a U going the, the wrong way around. Yeah. And the other one was a smiley face with a little note that said, it's a choice. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and I, I, I believe that a big part of what, um, what 3AW and Gold uh, did during the COVID, during the lockdown in particular, is that, you know, you, choosed, you chose to have a degree of optimism in your tone of voice and in the yes. stories that you chose. It was very important to be informative, hugely important to be informative. And of course, to you, you mustn't ignore what was going on in the world. But equally, there was a um, there was an optimism overlay that I thought and we thought, um, Roth and I certainly agreed, we needed to make sure that we gave people a laugh when there was an opportunity for a laugh and a sense of optimism. Um, I think it's really interesting to reflect on a lot of the language that was used early on in the lockdown, like for example, our political leaders were very confident that there would be a vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and, and what you could do is you could listen to that cynically, or you could listen to that with a sense of optimism. Um, and we certainly chose to listen to that with a sense of optimism. Yeah. I think it's, uh, yeah, I, uh, I think that it, it, but both of our, both of our shows kind of just, it made the it made the choice that was right for the personality of the show and for our audience as well. And I I just I remember saying to my team when ratings got suspended, I've never known anything like that in twenty odd years. Ratings are being there's no ratings for a couple of months. Yeah. And I thought <laughs> I said to my team, I said we're going to work even harder now. And they were like, "What do you mean?" I think they, I think they were looking forward to I think they were looking forward to putting their feet up. And I went, "No, no, no we're going to double down now. We really are important. We really matter. They need us." And we're in the yeah. relationship business. We're a new show. I'm still proving myself here. And I said, we're really going to lean into this now. We would enjoy our work even more by knowing that we're here to serve. And we're lucky to have a job that we can come in and do. And uh, I remember about a week into it, I got an email from a frontline nurse called Ebony. And she said, Christian, could you, be, would you be, you or any of your listeners, could you provide Powerade and sparkling water to us. We haven't got time to get our PPE gear off and go down to the canteens. I read the email on air and I said, oh my God, is this what they need? It's such a humble thing to ask for, water and refreshment when it was really bad here in Melbourne. And of course the switchboard was jammed. We had people that were, weren't working that were saying, look, I won't get my beers this weekend. I'll buy them a slab of Powerade. And um, it just sort of snowballed. And I remember later on that evening, I got an email from the head of marketing from Coles who'd heard about it, heard what I was trying to yeah. do and said, what can we do to help? And I was, I was so like, this is when commercial partnerships are at their best. They said, what do you need? I said, well, you're Coles. Could you, could we get together care packs? And I thought they might be able to help us out with a couple of hundred within 10 days over 4,000 frontline doctors and nurses at over 25 ICU wards 
all got care packs. And we asked all the hospitals and the doctors, what do you need? What do, what do people want? And it was, it was deodorant was the number one thing because they're all stinking in that PPE gear. Then they wanted instant tea, coffee, uh, dry shampoo for some of the nurses. Um, and that all came from one woman just leaning out and asking for help. We find it very hard to, to ask for help. Australians are very brave people, very stoic people. Um, but it just showed me and the team that intrinsically people want to help. And there's something about the power of radio, that immediacy to go from reading that one email out 10 days later to suddenly 4,000 dots of nurses getting care packages. Uh, I thought was, I thought was an incredible example of what, what the business community can do to support what you're doing. They weren't trying to grandstand it or own it in any way. They didn't even want a press release going out about this, which I thought was the right thing to do. But um, I was also pleasantly surprised because often sometimes commercial interests, they, they, they want to almost be happiness brought to you by, you know, whereas they didn't, they didn't want any of that. They just thought it was there. They should be doing this. You're, you're reminding me perhaps of that, Perhaps that somewhat infamous Margaret Thatcher quote, Christian, you know, when she said there's no such thing as society. Um, and certainly what you and I discovered, and others, but you and I discovered in our, in our jobs over the course of the last six months is, my goodness me, that nothing could be further from the truth. No. Um, uh, the, the sense that the collective, um, the sense that talk radio, breakfast, breakfast radio brings around there is, a, there is an idea of us all being in things together. As you say commerce and and public and health system all cooperating to try and you know to try and get through this we we saw that writ large yeah i uh, actually despite being very disconnected we were very disconnected at times when you could when you could feel a connection it, it felt it really felt something it was i think that's what radio was to people it was a way of feeling connected to other people like them who were we needing support, whether that was through AW, you want to hear people talking about it, um, or whether it was someone hopefully having a laugh. And I thought my job was also just to reflect what life was like lockdown for me. Uh, first of all, why, what, what, uh, my material is my life. It's, it's talking about my life. And then suddenly I'm like, well, I'm not doing anything. Where's all the material going to come from? And then suddenly yeah. I was locked <laughs> in my house with two teenage daughters, homeschooling, threatening to uh, uh, have a mutiny and overthrow my wife and I. And that there, was, there was so much going on here every day. It was like Plenty to talk about. Yeah, more, more than enough. Every time I used to close the door at 5 a.m. to drive to work, I used to breathe a sigh of relief just for getting out of the house for a couple of, couple of hours. Russell, the, um, we, we, we hear you talking about giving advice and giving your opinions on advertising on Gruen every week. Suddenly you're in at 3AW every day. Is there a sort of line outside your door after the show finishes from their marketing and sales people? And, and um, what do you do? Do you get involved in campaigns? Yeah, yeah uh, I, I certainly get involved with um, helping the sales guys um, with the communication that they'll, they'll have with the marketplace. Um, as Christian said earlier, there is always, you know, ideas. Um, clients are always looking for creativity. They're always looking for the idea that may well give them a little bit of, bit of an X factor. But I also encourage everyone just to look at the numbers. Um, when, when you look at the power of radio, com commercial radio, the numbers are pretty – they're obviously significant when it comes to audience but they're also significant when it comes to time spent listening. That's a very important number because the longer the consumer is spending listening, then that's more opportunities to hear advertising. 
They're also very good when it comes to reach. Reach is a critical number in the in the advertising world. Um, and sometimes we just forget the basics, like reach matters. Obviously, the target audience matters, like where the numbers are. Cost of production matters, right? So there's a very significant um, uh, success factor around radio because it doesn't cost much to produce you know, as compared to other mediums. So you've got big reach numbers, you've got low cost of production. Um, it's actually pretty easy for smaller players to get involved with radio as well. So, yeah, there's some basics there which I really enjoy talking to the salespeople about. Like, don't forget the basics because the basics are really strong. And then on top of that, add your value and add your creativity. But start with your foundation stuff. Good advice. Christian, when you got here, you've spoken to me before about you You had a feeling that, you know, the, it, it took the audience a while to warm to you. I'll say. As your ratings increased and your position in the market improved, did you notice a, a reaction from, from advertisers? Were there suddenly... Did you feel there were more briefs getting sent to your guys and more people wanted to get onto the station? Yes, yeah. And I'll always value the clients that were there early on, actually. There was still there were still quite a few clients who very early on said, this is great, I love what you're doing, it, it, it's going to take a while, it's a long-term thing, we're, we're, we're with you from the early days. And I was really humbled by that. Uh, and there were others, I totally understand, I would have done the same. They want to go, want to wait and see, you know, and like maybe, I mean, it was, the show was being written off by rivals and uh, everyone in the industry. And now, having lived here for two and a half years, I know why. I still find it remarkable that it, that it worked. It could have easily gone the other way, um, but it didn't. But, yeah, this, there's, uh, the quickest thing with success, isn't it? It's suddenly you've got these new, um, these new best friends. Um, and, yeah, it, it meant that there was more demands on my time uh, commercially. Uh, but I understand that, you know, if, you, if you'd suddenly become number one, then there's a there's a land grab suddenly there's a lot more demand the sales team's phones are ringing off and suddenly they want to get airtime they want to meet you they want to see how you know what you can leverage for them they like the way that i do promotions for clients is different if i'm going to do a promotion for a client i want to make sure that it feels as part of the show as anything else i'm doing i can't stand it when i hear commercial radio shows it feels like they're putting the show on hold or pause you can hear a script being shoved in their hand like a gun to their head and they're reading out, you know, an idea or a brief and you, you can feel it's the first time they've ever seen it. Um, it shouldn't be like that. You know, I think it's responsibility of the host. If you want to be paid that money, you, then you need to earn it. And part of that is by doing, um, is doing your promotions well. Make it fun. Make it entertaining for your audience. Earn your, earn your living. I think yeah, part of the, the really interesting thing for advertisers in the radio medium is that they can very, very readily become part of, let's call it the club. So let's say that there's a gold, there's a gold club, there's an AW breakfast club. And most of the time the advertiser fits very neatly into that club. And that again is a quite a unique part of the medium that is radio. You, you wouldn't say that that's the case with telly. You wouldn't say that was the case no. with social magazines, newspapers. Some, something about the medium enables the advertiser to be part of the total show. And the, the listener, um, they don't really, if, if the advertiser does become part of the club that is the show, then of course the dial isn't used when it's ad time. The dial is, you know, the, the ads are accepted as part of the total show. Again, that's a really powerful thing for the advertiser because then, you know, the, the listener isn't switching. 
Um, another sort of important part when selling radio is the notion that there's not a lot, not a lot of switching goes on when you get that cl- sense of club right. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I, I like it when you, uh, when I'm getting to meet clients, I, I always like it when I think if there was ever a caller on air that said, oh, my car's has broken down or I've been having a terrible time. In my mind, I have a drop down menu of like clients that I would call afterwards and go, hey, listen, can you give them a free weekend break? You know, can you look after their car? And they become part of the show, like a friend of the show. And I uh, like Robert ENS does is, is brilliant like this. He's always saying, hey, if you ever need anything for one of the listeners, just say you'll get it and then I'll, I'll sort it out. And I, I really like that, you know, where, where clients, I think it's better for them. They, they're seen as being able to support the show and less of, a, less of a client and more like a friend of the show. Like Russell was saying with that club feel, they're one of, they're one of the listeners. They're part of the audience. Look, we sort of might 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 wrap this up with a bit of a chat about that keeping that club happy, that uh, that three AW club, that gold club, I guess. And some of your your biggest advertising supporters are probably members of that club. They they like the program, they invest their time in it as well as their money. So maybe start with you, Russell. Where do you where do you get your best content ideas from? Because people who listen to three AW Breakfast, I think, would notice that. You just haven't slipped into the old format. It's changed a little bit. You, the, the team there seem very willing to accept your input and have adapted some ideas you've put up. Well, I haven't got a great answer for that other than to say I just like ideas. <laughs> so um, any, any idea, whether it's a, an idea in the medical field or the creative field or anything in between, I've just always enjoyed. So... Um, whether it's my ad life or, you know, consulting life, I've just appreciated and enjoyed the energy that ideas bring. Um, and I just, if you go searching for the ideas, there are a lot of really good ones in Australia. Um, you know, so just the other day, there was an article around the CSIRO has done a, a, a joint venture, a commercial joint venture um, through the power of seaweed that goes into seed for cattle, um, and that will reduce methane gas, which will have a positive effect on global warming. You know, that cannot be real. Then you speak to CSIRO, and it turns out that it's real. <laughs> so really finding those, I think, really interesting, and I would say commercial ideas, really powerful commercial ideas. You know, Australia, we're an unbelievably entrepreneurial, creative, interesting country, and yet we don't really... A, acknowledge it, let alone celebrate it. So I do think there's um, great, great interest from the listener in all these incredible ideas. I don't know whether you, you know, Christian, you might have seen today, like the new helicopter that's been produced yeah. in Australia. Like, you know, I find that stuff fascinating and it energizes me. And I hope in telling stories about those ideas, we can energize the listener. Um, Christian, your ideas, I mean, you. Where do you get your stuff that, you know, talking points for the show? Do you, do you, do you keep a notebook you just carry around or what happens? How does that work? Yeah, I, I, uh, years ago, uh, I've got like notebooks everywhere, but now I just write it into my uh, iPhone. I still get my best ideas when I'm walking the dog. I find creativity for me, I, I'm sure Russell's the same, staring at a, a, a blank piece of paper sometimes. It's like staring at the sun. You're, you just, yeah. you burns your eyes. It's, it's too intimidating. I think sometimes ideas 
can come straight away in that light bulb eureka moment or they come at just slightly out of view when you're doing something else or moving or an exercise or just walking the dog i come up with ideas or i think my job really is to pay attention to pay attention to my life sometimes i might be reading an article i was interviewing matthew mcconaughey uh, a couple of weeks ago he started telling me about when he was nine years of age he built an 80-foot tree house and i went i can't go on with this interview what do you mean an 80-foot tree house right i said 80 foot he goes yeah it had 13 stories when you're nine years of age you've got 30 anyway we were, i kept going on for 10 minutes about this tree house and how he made it and anyway i wrote down on a piece of paper while i'm chatting to him tree house i want to do a, a competition next year where we get kids our listeners kids to design what they think would be the ultimate tree house and then we get Very a client good. on board and they build it what a great prize now i'll come and do the show we'll yeah. bring a band they can do like an acoustic session in, in the tree house sessions so i love this even just when i'm interviewing someone if someone gives me a thought or idea i've got to write it down russell will be the same if you don't write it down it just evaporates you get distracted and i live for new ideas new thoughts that's being alive to me that's the lifeblood of just me as a person i, I love that yeah there's that great uh that speaking of the british directors christian uh well former ad guy who then became a director paul arden yeah um he was yeah like a beautiful writer about ideas as well and he, he would talk about using a peripheral vision yes and uh you know that's a pretty you know, like in two words, what's the secret? Well, peripheral vision is a pretty good insight into where to find ideas and pick them up. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Look, um, it's great to hear you both talking about Breakfast Radio, Pleasure. your passion for it, your success you've had this year. So congratulations on that. Um, Russell, have you got another week on air yet? Yeah, I'm, I'm around. I'll be doing the, um, the 4 a.m. run next week. Right. And then I am going to have a bit of a. Then I am going to have a bit of a lie down, Christian. What about you? Yeah, we've. I'm so embarrassed. We finish tomorrow. Uh, all commercial radio. Oh, well done, you. We we will finish tomorrow. And um, in the UK, I would work. You'd always finish around the 20th of December, 21st. Yeah, I bet you would. And you'd yeah, be saying yeah, goodbye. Yeah. You know, it's Christmas time. <laughs> but now. 27th of November, you know, Melbourne's just going back to work and us lazy gits in, in Breakfast Radio going, yeah, I think we've called it a, a day for this year. We'll be back in January. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to the break. I've got, I'm writing a book at, at the moment about the, the move here. And it's man. deadline day. So I'm, I've got 17,000 words to crank out next week. So I, I, I need the time, but I've, uh, I've loved it. Lovely to talk to you, Russell. You too, Christian. Good on you. Yeah, hopefully I'll see you uh, in, in flesh sometime soon. Yeah, that would that would be great. Great to meet you, and thank and James, thank you. Awesome, thank well you. done. Thank you, okay. James. Thank you so much for your support you. that got out here as well. You've been a real big supporter, and it made it, it made a difference in very early days when the numbers weren't there yet. Um, but your backing it made a difference with clients. It really did. I know it did. Um, Kieran's always uh, always waxing lyrical about the support you gave the show in the early days. I think you got why ARM were doing it and you hoped it would work. And um, I really appreciate that, mates. Thank you. Yeah, oh, no problem. All right, good on you. I appreciate you saying that. Okay, thank you. Bye, guys. Cheers. Thank you, guys.